0: The seventh Perak of Messiah's Brachus discusses the mitzvah of Zimon, which is when at least three people eat in a group together, and when it comes to them saying the blessing after eating, namely Birkus there's a mitzvah that one of them should invite the rest of the people to bench. Now, we learned in the third parak of Brachus that even women, non Jewish slaves, and children under bar mitzvah are obligated in Birkus The question is, what about Zimon? Number one, are they obligated to do Zimun, and number two, can they make up the three people who are needed in order to make Zimun? So children, of course, can't, because they're exempt from all mitzvahs, so they can't be part of the core three who are needed for Zimun. When it comes to women and non-Jewish slaves, however, if there are three women or three non-Jewish slaves, they can make a Zimun by themselves. But for women to make up part of the core three with men, that's problematic. Not really for Zimun reasons, but just because it's inappropriate for the core three who are needed for Zimun to be a mix of men and women, or men and non jewish slaves, who are also known for their immorality. So the mission says, (laughs) Noshim vavadum k'tanim, women, non jewish slaves, and children under Bar-Mitzvah, eim nalehem." we don't make a Zimun with them. Meaning, they can't make up part of the core three people who are needed to make a Zimun. Now, if they're by themselves, if the women are by themselves, or the slaves are by themselves, They can make a Zimun. It's a discussion whether they're obligated to, but they certainly can if they're by themselves. And in fact, if there are already three men making a Zimun, then the women and non-Jewish slaves should answer to their Zimun. The thing which we can't have is women or non-Jewish slaves making up part of the three, or children as well, making up part of the three people who are needed to bring in that obligation to make the Zimun. Once again, because it's inappropriate and it can lead to wrongdoing among men and women or the men and the non-Jewish slaves. Now, ask the Mishnah: zamlin? up to how much can one make a zimun? Now this question can be interpreted in one of two ways. Either it's asking, what is the minimum amount which someone has to eat that he now becomes obligated to bench and therefore obligated to make a zimun? Or the question is, what's the minimum amount which someone has to eat in order to be joining with a zimun? To be part of the three people, how much does one have to eat to now allow him to be part of the Zimun. So either the question is about obligation, or about whether he's allowed to join with the Zimun. According to the Tanakhama ad kazais. he's got to eat at least the size of an olive, the reason being because the Posuk, when referring to the commandment to Bench, it says v'ochalta, you shall eat, and you've only considered to have properly eaten if you eat at least the size of an olive. Anything below that lacks even the significance of eating. However, Rabbi huda says ad you've got to have at least eaten the size of an egg of food, which is a larger amount than the olive, because the Pazak says, v'savata. You shall eat and you shall be satisfied, which implies that you can't just eat a little bit, you've got to actually fill yourself up, and the minimum amount in order to fill yourself up is the size of an egg. Mishnah Gimel. then, how do they make a zimun? And the Mishnah is going to go through different formulas said as the text for the zimun, when the leader would invite everybody else to bench. We're basically going to have two different opinions running through this Mishnah. The first opinion, that of Rabbi Gilili, is that the more people in the group who ate together, the more words you add to the formula of the benching, of the Zimun. But according to Biakiva, once there's ten people, any number above ten, the formula remains the same. We'll explain their reasons later on in the Mishnah, but for now the Mishnah tells us if there are three people eating together, then Omer, the person inviting the others to bench, says Navarich, let us bless for the food which we ate. You don't say Hashem's name because one only says Hashem's name in a group. If there's a minion there, otherwise it's improper to mention Hashem's name. So he just says, let us us bench, let us bless Hashem, if there are three people apart from him, then Omer, he should say, bless for the food which we ate, meaning as an instruction to the other three people to bench. The truth is, it's better for him to say, let us bless, so as not to exclude himself from the group. But since he is not needed to make the core three, he can just tell them to bench, tell them to bless Hashem, independent of him. Basara, if there are 10 people, then Omer nevorich leukeinu. Now he should say, let us bless our God. Because now that there's a minion, we can invoke Hashem's name in a group. Basara if there are 10 people apart from him, then Omer, he can say, boruchu, bless our God. As an instruction, but once again, it would be better to include himself and say nevorich instead of boruchu. Now, according couldn't be a that's the cutoff point. Echod sorva whether there are 10 people, whether there are 10 lots of 10,000, i.e. 100,000 people, you use the same formula, and you just say, our God, Elokeinu. However, according to we're switching now to the other opinion, B'meya Omer, if there are a hundred people, then you say, nevoich l'ashem Elokeinu. Blessed is Hashem, our God. You're adding another description, another name of Hashem. Because there's more people, B'meya who if there's a hundred people apart from him, then instead of saying, nevoich you tell them to bless as an instruction. Or you can do so. But, elef Omer, if there are a thousand people, then you say, nevoich l'ashem Elokeinu. Let us bless Hashem our God, Eloke Yisrael. The God of Yisroel. The God of the Jews. And then, if there's a thousand apart from him, then you say, you tell them to bless as an instruction apart from him, because he is not needed to make up those a thousand people. If there are ten thousand people, then you say, let us bless Hashem our God, the God of the God of the multitudes, meaning Hashem is the power over everything and everyone. The one who dwells the one who lives by the Krovim, Alamozen for the food which we ate. Let's bless him for that. And once again, but if there's 10,000 people apart from him, then he should say as an instruction for the others to bless Hashem, as we have explained. Now, what do they answer to him? Says the Mishnah, in the same way, using the same words that he used to bless, or to tell them to bless, Kach and Achrov, that's how they answer after him. Hashem they say HaShem our God, should be blessed, Israel, We use all those descriptions once again to bless HaShem for the food which they ate. We've already seen the two opinions of Rabbi Yehseag and Rabbi Akiva in our Mishnah, but you'll notice that we haven't actually mentioned their names yet. So now the Mishnah will explain that Machreiq has clearly. Rabbi Yehseag Lili, Omer Rabbi Yehseag says, L'fi yov hakol al According to the size of the congregation, according to how many people there are there, that's how you make the bracha. the HaZaposuk says, B'ma keilo is Hashem in Yisrael. In gatherings of people, bless Hashem, Hashem who is from the source of Yisrael. Now, if you think about it, the posit could have said, In a gathering of people, bless Hashem. Instead, it said, In gatherings, in the plural of people, when there are gatherings of people, then you should bless Hashem. Which implies that different gatherings should bless Hashem in different ways. Meaning, depending on the number, that's how you would bless Hashem. And therefore, the more people you add, the more words you add to describe Hashem. However, on Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, no. And he's going to compare it to somewhere else in Davening, which is very similar to Zimun, and that is, Mamot just like we find in a shul, just before we start the brachas of Shema, and then go on to say Shema, Echom arubin watem, whether there are lots of people there, whether there are only a few people there, Hashem. the chazan says, bless Hashem, and that's irrelevant of how many people there are there, as long as there's a minion, he says the same words, and that again is inviting other people to bless Hashem. So we should do the same thing by Zimmon. Sounds like a very good proof. However, a like Lily holds that they're actually different. Because according to a like Lily, in a shul it's very difficult to count the amount of people there are. There's constantly people coming in, going out, and therefore it's impractical. And we're not going to burden you to find out how many people there are and to change the text of the prayer. But when it comes to eating together, everybody stays there until you bench and therefore it is easier to know how many people there are, and so you should change the formula and the text of the Zimun based on how many people there are. Now, Rabbi Shmol argues on a slight point, nothing to do with Zimun, he just says that when you say Borhu, but just before Shema, Rabbi Shmol Rabbi says, you should say Boruch as Hashem blessed is, is, blessed is Hashem who is blessed, and that's what we do nowadays, and his reason is similar to why one should say Nvorich rather than borhu in a Zimun, in order to include yourself among the group. So here you should say that Hashem is blessed when you're telling everybody else to bless Hashem. And that way you're not excluding yourself from the group, so it's a better way to tell everybody to bless Hashem whilst you are blessing Him yourself. Mr. the obligation to do Zimun applies to everybody in the group who eats together. And therefore, if three people eat together, they are not allowed to split because that would mean there would no longer be a Zimun. So one person can't leave in the middle or bench himself because then no one would be able to be part of the Zimun. Similarly, if there are four or five people there, none of them can leave and they can't split because each of the five has an obligation on himself to be part of a Zimun. However, if there are six people, then they can split in half and then three would make a Zimun together and the other three would make another Zimun. Up to ten people, they can split as long as everybody who is there is part of a Zimun. But once you reach 10 people in on chlokin, they can't split. Why? Because even though everybody would be part of a Zimun, they wouldn't be able to say Hashem's name anymore. Because one only mentions Hashem's name if there's at least a minion there. And because that's a higher form of Zimun, we do not allow the 10 people to split until there are 20 people and then they can split in half and then there will be two groups of people saying Zimun with Hashem's name. So the rule is that one can split as long as he'll still be saying the same Zimun as he would have had he still been part of the original group. Okay, Mishnaheish, If there were two groups eating in one house? They're eating separately, but they're close by. The question is, can they join together to make one Zimun, or do they have to make two? The answer is, In a situation where part of each group can see each other, meaning at least one person from group A can see at least one person from group B, and vice versa, then they can join together to make one Zimun, because they are considered in a way one group, since they're so close by and can see each other. If not, then these people in this group should make a zim by themselves, and the other people in the other group should make a zimun by themselves. There's a discussion about whether they're only allowed to join together if there's already three people in each group. But if there were less than three people in each group, and at the moment they have no obligation to make a zimun by themselves, and only if they join together would there be three people, according to some, they cannot join together, it's only once you already have the obligation of Zimun individually, independently of the other group, then you can just join together to make a bigger group. But in order to create the group, it might not be enough if you can just see each other, and therefore you might not make a Zimun at all. Now it ends off the peric by telling us, in those days, the wine which they had was very very strong, and they wouldn't be able to really drink it properly, unless they diluted it with a bit of water. So the Mishnah says, <laughs> one is not allowed to make a brocha on the wine, until you put some water into the wine, because until you do so, it's not really drinkable. Rabbi Ebeliezer, that's the opinion of Rebeliezer, who holds that you can't make a bracha of beri priha on the wine, because it's not really considered wine yet, but you would still make a bracha of beri priha which is the bracha you make on grapes. It hasn't yet reached that stage where it's changed from its original state to wine. Only once it's diluted does it gain the status of wine. Actually, one does say the bracha of Beru Priagofen*, which is the bracha on wine. You do say that on this wine which hasn't been diluted. And their reason is because even though it's not really drinkable by itself, this strong wine was not diluted when it was put into some sort of dish. They would often make some sort of dish or even a drink which contained other things. So when they would do that, they would use this extra strong wine. And therefore it was still drinkable to an extent and therefore it has gained the status of wine, so one would make a Beaupriar Gothen on that.